We're going to spend some time looking into the scriptures. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn in them to Ezekiel chapter 36. If you don't have a Bible, the scripture's printed in your bulletin. It's there on page 6. There's a place to take notes if you want to do that on page 7. We're going to be looking at Ezekiel 36. And we're just going to look at verses 24 through 28 tonight. So just that first paragraph there printed in your bulletin. And so friends, listen, this is God's word. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. From all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell on the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is God's word. So we are looking um, right now, this month, at, uh, at the work of Christ in us. Okay, and what that is, that's, this is the good news of what God does inside of us when we have a relationship with him through Jesus. Okay, we began last week uh, learning that when we believe in Jesus, God comes in the Holy Spirit and he dwells within us. So when you believe, God dwells in you. And we see this in our passage. In verse 27, it says, I will put my spirit within you. And so when we believe, God puts his spirit into us. And last week, when Michael was preaching, I was struck by something that he said. Um, He said that he thinks we struggle with understanding what it means to have the Holy Spirit in us. Because we really don't have categories to sort of connect that with. Like it's one thing to say God is Father, we have some sense of what that means. Um, or, Or God the Son, or Jesus is King, like we sort of get that. But... Like, what does it mean that the God, the Spirit, is in us? Um, and it intrigued me because I think Michael's right. I don't think we really understand that. I think there's times where Christians and churches, uh, they get so used to a word or used to an idea that they stop explaining it and then people lose a sense of what it means. You know, and people get kind of afraid. Like, well, everybody seems to know what this is, but I don't, and I'm afraid to ask. Right? You feel kind of funny. And so... Um, I'm actually convinced that this idea that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it's one of those, it's like one of those apps that we download on our phone and we just never get to it. Like, we never use it. You know, it's this amazing thing that does incredible, it brings incredible blessing. It has a huge, profound impact on our relationship with God. And yet, so many of us never connect to it. We never use it. And so, if you can understand what it means that God is in you, that you have the Holy Spirit, you will experience so much more of God in your life. Um, He will feel closer to you, and you will understand his presence in your life much better. And so, here's what I did. As I was thinking, okay, well, so what are the categories? Like, what does the Bible teach us in terms of helping us understand what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in us? And so... I've got a program that lets me search the Bible, and I looked up the word spirit, and there are over 700 uses, 700 verses in the Bible that use this word spirit, okay? Um, Some in the Old Testament, some in the New, it's about half and half. Um, 
And so I looked up about 600 of those. I looked at all of them, but then kind of wrote down about 600 of them, because that's just sort of, I'm just wired that way. Um, <laughs> and uh, write down a verse, write down a little phrase that comes where the word is used, and then a little description of what it means. And as I did that, I began to realize, oh, you know what, there's some groupings that we can do, you know, like a big chunk of these verses. Like, so about 50 times in the Bible, the word, for, the word that's translated wind is actually the same word that's translated spirit. So that's just one of the categories. Sometimes when you see the word spirit in the Bible, it's actually referring to wind. Or, and sometimes in the English, it's just translated wind. But it's the same word, spirit. Okay, so that's one of the categories, which isn't super helpful, but I just threw that out as an example. Um, what we're going to do, though, today, beginning today, is that we're going to start, I want to start giving you categories and how to understand what it means that the Bible says we have the spirit in us. Okay, because as we understand this, as we go deeper with it, um, it's going to enrich and enliven your relationship with God. And so today, we're just going to look at three things. I'll put them up here. Um, we're going to see first that God is spirit. Second, that we have a spirit. And then third, that God gives us his spirit. Okay, so again, we're just going to start this. Um, and if you feel like, wow, I really think we, there needs to be more teaching on this, we're going to be doing this for the next couple weeks after this. And so first, God is spirit. God is spirit. Let me give you a verse. This is John 4, 24. And there Jesus is talking, and Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, now, what Jesus is saying here is that God, in his essence, is spirit. Okay, and what this means is that God doesn't have a body like we do. Okay, kind of simple. He doesn't have a physical form from anything, actually, in this world. Why? Because he's not from here. Right? God, God is not from this world. He's the creator. He, he created all of this stuff. And so he's not made up of things that he created. Okay, God is separate from the creation. So he is, the Bible says he is spirit. He is spirit. He doesn't have a physical manifestation of himself. And yet, here's what's interesting, is that even though God is spirit, he is incredibly active in the world. Okay? God personally and actively participates in life on earth. Okay? He was active in creation, but he continues to govern and order the world with such precision that we actually can do science with confidence. It's kind of interesting. And spirit is the word that the Bible uses to describe God's active, personal presence in the world. Okay, so when God manifests himself by acting, or by creating, by speaking, or by comforting someone, the Bible says that it's God's spirit that came. Okay, it says it's God's spirit that acted. God's spirit spoke. And so... Since God isn't made of things in this world, normally God manifests himself in ways that are invisible. Okay, this is why you can't see God. All right, and so here's the bottom line, that God is spirit. Here's a, a definition if you want to write something down. God's spirit is the presence of God participating in life on earth. Okay, God's spirit is the presence of God participating in life on earth. Okay, this is something that God does, and does a lot. So, and we'll, get, we'll talk more about this. Our second point is not just that God is spirit, but that we also have a spirit. 
Okay, let me just again share with you some verses. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so we see here that God, we are alive because God makes us alive. Okay, one of the things, one of the ways God acts in the world is he brings life. He brings life. Um, but we're not just living, okay? It's more than that. Human beings are actually made in the image of God, and so we have something more. And this is what Job 12, uh, Job 12.10 says. It says, In God's hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Okay, I underlined and bolded breath there because the word breath is also, it's just, it's the same word for spirit, Okay? It's the word for spirit. And so the idea here is that God made all things that live alive, but he's also given spirit to mankind. So he has made us to have a spirit. Okay? And then the James 2, 26 verse, this assumes this. Look what it says. It says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And so as human beings, we are both body and spirit. Okay? And if you say, well, how does a soul fit in there? Um, soul and spirit are really kind of interchangeable terms in the Bible. So soul and spirit are, are, are synonymous. And so what this means is that we are body and spirit. And the Bible says a lot about our spirit. There are hundreds of verses that talk about the spirit that we have. Okay? Our spirit is the part of us that feels and expresses emotion. It's the part of us that motivates us to take action um, it's also our moral center. Okay, decisions get made by our spirit. And I can give you, I can share with you dozens and dozens of verses that sort of, they, they can show this, but let me just sum it up. Here's what it means. Our spirit is every bit of the non-physical part of us. Okay? So if you want to know what your spirit is, what it comprises of, it's everything about you that's not physical. Okay? And so it includes our decisions. It includes our feelings, our thoughts, our motives, okay? Our intellectual, psychological, and emotional faculties, all of these are parts of our spirit, okay? Now, the way that God has made us is that he has wonderfully and beautifully and mysteriously joined our body and spirit together. So there isn't just, like, I mean, what happens to us physically affects us spiritually, you know? So these things are effective. We can't talk too much about that right now, but... So why is this important? Um, why is this vital for your relationship with God? It's because your spirit is where the relationship with God happens. Okay, your spirit, um, God gave us a spirit so that we would be in relationship with him. Okay, you have a spirit because you're made in God's image. God is spirit, and God wants to relate to you in terms of your spirit. And so here's what's interesting is that God wants our relationship with him to involve all of this. Okay? All the aspects of who we are in our spirit, God wants us to bring those things and be in relationship with him in those areas. And so what that means is that intellectually, God wants us to know him. Emotionally, God wants us to know him. Psychologically, God wants us 
to know him. He cares about these things. God has emotions. And he wants our emotions. He wants to, he wants to be with us. He wants to relate to us in terms of our emotions. Um, our intellect, our psychology, like all the pieces of us. He wants our decisions, like he wants to be a part of our decision-making process. Right? These are all ways that God wants to be in relationship with us. And so it's interesting because there's a lot of people that I know that I talk to who, yeah, they talk about a time in the past um, where they really felt close to God, but they don't feel close anymore. Yeah, I don't know if you feel that way. But, but oftentimes what can happen is that you can isolate your relationship with God to one aspect of your life. And in the other aspects of your life, he's just not part of the equation. Like your relationship just doesn't, you don't deal with him. And so you might be an intellectually minded person who really likes ideas. And maybe, um, and the Bible says that's fantastic. The Bible gives real high priority to our thinking. Uh, the Bible says that when, we, when our minds are renewed with the truth of the Bible, that things happen and we change. Um, but that's not the extent of our relationship with God. There's more to it than that. And so God wants to know us in all of these ways, in all these ways. And now here's the challenge. The challenge is that when we think about all these different areas of our lives, I think if we're honest, we have to admit that in our spirit, we haven't done this. Like we haven't honored God. We haven't followed God. We haven't in some ways even sought him or reached out to him in these aspects, these different aspects of our lives. And this is where we need to come back to the Ezekiel passage that we're looking at, okay? God is making this amazing promise to his people through Ezekiel. And the reason he's speaking to them at this point is because in Ezekiel's day, the people had left God behind. Okay, they had wandered away from him. And they had walked away from their relationship. And actually, I'll show you, here's 14 chapters earlier than ours. This is some of what they'd done. Uh, Ezekiel 22, verses 6 to 12 this is God bringing to light the sins that the people have committed. He says, your rulers have been bent on shedding blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt by you. The foreigner suffers extortion in your midst. The fatherless and the widow are wronged by you. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. People commit lewdness in your midst. In you they take bribes to shed blood. You take interest and profit and make gain of your neighbors by extortion. And so you have this list of sins that God's people, these are the people of God, the people who claim to be God's people, this is what they were doing. And so it's no wonder that they were, in, they, they were being punished for their sins. Now, this list might be your list. Um, there might be things on this list that you've done, um, but this might not be your list. There may be other things that you've done to wander away from God, but I think all of us are guilty of that last phrase where God sort of sums it up. He says, in all of this, he says, but me you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. Um, in my own personal experience and with a lot of people that I talk to, I feel like this is at the core of what so much struggle, like so much of our struggles are. We just forget about God. Um, and some, I mean, Christians do this, non-Christians, we just forget, you know, and it's, it's like when we're here in church, okay, we're thinking about God, we're trying to remember him, and we feel like, okay, we can do this, we can take on life, uh, and yet we leave, and it's like we forget. 
That's what God is saying. Like our spirits wander from God. But here's the good news. The good news is that even when we forget God, God never forgets us. He never forgets us. Because in Jesus, God, who is spirit, took on a body like yours and mine. I mean, in this amazing act of humility, God, who is separate from creation, he is above creation, entered into this creation. And he took on a body that was like ours. And he suffered. He lived among us. And Jesus came and died for our sins. He took our sins punishment in his death. And then he was raised from the dead to set us free. It's like Jesus knows what we struggle with. And Jesus came and experienced the punishment of that. And then came out the other side. And in doing that, he sets us free. And so this then brings us to our third and last point. And that's that God gives us his spirit. In John 3, 5, Jesus is talking to a religious leader of his day. And he says this, he says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is important for our passage in Ezekiel because when Jesus says born of water and the spirit, Jesus is referring to this promise in Ezekiel chapter 36. Okay, look at it again. Verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So for those of you who have been with us in the month of June, this is regeneration, right? Where God makes us new inside. This is what God does. He regenerates us. He makes us new, but then he goes on. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. So this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So our spirits are sinful without God. But then God comes near to us personally. We are new because he is near. Hey, we are new because he is near. And so just back to our definitions, right? God's spirit is the presence of God participating in life on earth. Our spirit is every bit of the non-physical part of us. How they come together. So regeneration is like spiritual surgery, but the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is God's physical therapy. Okay? Let me me flesh that out. Spiritually speaking, we all need a surgeon. Okay? We all have sin... Um, and we need someone to give us a heart transplant. We need, us to, we need somebody to give us a new self, to give us, not, not to fix our old selves, but to give us something new, something that is loving and kind and patient and selfless, something that's willing to honor God in every area of life. Right? We need, God doesn't want us to reform ourselves. He wants us to be transformed by his work. And so we need a surgeon, but 
whenever you have surgery, you never have an ongoing relationship with the surgeon, right? You might talk to the surgeon once, maybe twice more after it's over, but then he's gone. He's out of your life. She's out of your life. You never see him again. You get handed off to a rehabilitation specialist, right, who then works to help you regain your strength, help you to walk in your new self, right? And the Holy Spirit, he's our physical therapist. So we've got a lady who um, goes to our Harbor Downtown site. Uh, her name's Meredith, and uh, she's a physical therapist for military amputees, okay, mostly legs. And so... Um, and it's interesting because she does physically for amputees what the Holy Spirit does spiritually in our ongoing relationship with God. Okay? So she has these patients that she sees. Um, either one or both legs are amputated. Um, and then they've got some kind of prosthetic situation. And it's interesting because she, what she says is she says, I try to help people return to a normal level of function. Right? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. It's what he does for us. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and works with us so that we can live and walk the way that God intends. She says, I teach my patients a lot of times how to walk again, how to walk right, how to balance. I'm like, well, that's kind of spiritual, you know? Like, we need balance. The Holy Spirit gives us balance. Um, she told me that her goal is to help. This is a great quote. I wrote this down. She said, my goal is to help my patients to be able to navigate their community safely. I'm like, well, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. Right? There are situations that are safe for us, situations that aren't safe for us. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit leads us. Right? There are relationships that are good for us, relationships that are bad for us. And it was interesting because she also said that one of her most important goals is, and one of the, you know, one of the things she, she, she makes sure she do, that gets done early is that she needs to teach her patients how to get up when they fall. Because she said everybody falls. It just comes to the territory. And falling is part of growing. And so she says, I teach them how to get up. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. When you fall into sin and you feel guilt, when you fall into sin and you don't feel guilt, the Holy Spirit comes and reminds us that we are forgiven. The Holy Spirit reminds us that he is with us. The Holy Spirit reminds us that God's love never fails. And so if you have a relationship with God, you have this spirit. Have you ever had an experience where um, you weren't exactly sure the right thing to do, and then all of a sudden, like, an idea sort of hit you and you knew what the right thing to do was? Well, of course you have. Of course you've had that experience. Because you know what? The Spirit is God's presence active in the world. And God gives us His Spirit. God is present with you always. The Holy Spirit comes... And what's amazing about the Holy Spirit is that you don't have to go to an appointment. Right? The Holy Spirit is with you all the time. The Holy Spirit is with you every day, every hour, every moment. Whenever you need him, he is there. And he teaches you. 
You feel guilty about things that you do. Yeah, of course you do. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is reminding you of who you are. He's reminding you of the best possible life that you can choose for yourself. Have you ever really not wanted to do something for someone else and then all of a sudden you sort of had this desire to do it and you went and did it? Of course you have. Because God's spirit is his power. God's spirit comes with all that God is in his love and his grace. And he's with you. He dwells with you. The Holy Spirit is constantly ready to communicate with us. We just need to be willing to listen. Just one other question that you might be asking yourself is that how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit? Right, how do I know if this is God really talking to me or if I'm just sort of making stuff up? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, here's some ways you can tell. Um, does this voice, does this impression, does this image, does it remind you of the Bible? If so, ding, ding, ding. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and guide you into all the truth. Does it remind you of the Bible? Second, does it make you more like Jesus? Right? Does what you're hearing make you want to be more like him? Loving, serving, caring, understanding, courageous, bold. Right? If so, that's God speaking to you. And then just the last piece, uh, the last way to tell, ask someone. I mean, here's where the, the cords of discipleship are so important for us. There's someone in your life who knows the Bible. You can say, hey, you know what? I just had this impression. I'm not sure if this is from God or not. What do you think? And see if it rings true to them. Look together into the scriptures and see, is this consistent with God's word? Does this, is this going to make me more like Jesus? Um, you don't have to do this alone. And what's amazing is that when we begin to do this, we begin to understand God's spirit present with us as our rehab therapist, with us all the time. When you begin to understand that that's the role that he is currently playing, you will wake up in ways um, and you will begin to see him everywhere. As I was talking to Meredith, this physical therapist, I told her, I said, you know what? What you do in your work, you are the Holy Spirit. Like what you do physically, the Holy Spirit does spiritually for people. And so you need to understand that. Like think about your work that way. And she's like, I've never thought about it before like that. I said, if you think about it, then the Holy Spirit, then God will be with you in ways that you never dreamed possible in your office. There's a great story um, in Genesis 28. Isaac, no, no, Jacob, he falls asleep and has this dream and God appears to him in the dream, and he wakes up and he says this classic line that is something that you will experience if you open your heart to hearing the Spirit speak. He said, surely God is in this place, and I didn't know it. That's what's in store for you this week, if you open your heart and listen for the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your spirit. 
Lord, we confess that in so many ways we ignore your spirit. We forget about your spirit. Um, We act like we have to do these things on our own. We have to live life on our own. We act like you're only here in church. And Lord, we just repent of all that. We confess that it's wrong. And Lord, we are now willing to acknowledge that you are present in your spirit, not just in the world in general, but you are here with us always. Thank you for this gift. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge you. Help us to live in your presence so that we can experience the rich abundance of a relationship with you. Thank you for caring enough to be with us at work, to be with us at home, with our spouses and our relationships, with our colleagues and co-workers at work, in our neighborhoods. Lord, thank you that you care about all of this. Lord, you care about us because we're your children. We thank you for the depth of relationship that you want to have with us. God, help us to see you in places that we didn't know you were. In Jesus' name, amen.